You are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Akron Abide. And honestly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most profound, important, greatest event in all of human history. There is no other event in history that has had more influence, impact, or importance than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the reason why it is so important and it's had such an impact on our world today is because the resurrection truly changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. It has changed the course of history. It has changed the course of society, the course of our worlds. And if we allow it, it can change our lives today. And that's what this series is all about, the resurrection changing our lives. Over the next five weeks, we are going to be looking at the life-changing power of the resurrection. Because the resurrection truly is life-changing. It's the promise of the resurrection that gives us hope for eternal life. It's the power of the resurrection that gives us strength when we feel like giving up. And it's the purpose of the resurrection that gives us peace. That peace of God that we long to have. The peace of God that passes all understanding. And most importantly, and what we're dealing with today, it's the person of the resurrection that makes it possible for us to know and desire God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I can have a personal relationship with God. We can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We can know God in a personal and an intimate way because of the resurrection. And that brings us to our text in the book of Philippians today. You see, the book of Philippians was written by a man named the Apostle Paul, and it's known as a prison epistle, because when the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison. At the time of him writing this letter, he was chained to a Roman guard night and day and about to be martyred for the faith. You see, his situation was not looking good at all. Paul was going through trial after trial after trial in his life. But in spite of all that he was going through, his love for God never wavered. And in our text verse today, in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 10 and 11, we are given the Apostle Paul's number one desire in life. Above everything else, his number one desire in life is recorded right here in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 10 and 11. Let's look what he says there. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. The Apostle Paul says that I may know him, that I may know God in a personal and an intimate way. I want to know God in my life. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying there. That was his number one desire in life. His number one desire was to know God. He wanted to know and experience God in his life. And through the resurrection that was made possible. He was able to know and desire God in his life through the resurrection. And that same exact truth applies to us today. You and I, we can know and experience and desire to have God in our life because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to be looking at here this morning. And in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 10 and 11, we are given four ways to know God. Four ways to desire God because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And these were the Apostle Paul's desires that he records for us today. 
Number one, we can know God personally. We can know God on a personal level. Look how he starts in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. He says, that I may know him. That I may know God. Now, when the Apostle Paul penned these words, he was not speaking of a casual knowledge of God or simply knowing Jesus as Savior. He was speaking of an intimate and deep knowledge of God. He says that I may know him. I want to know God. If you look at that word know in the Greek, it means to understand, to grasp or ascertain, especially to be familiar with a person or thing. And it speaks of having an intimate bond, a relationship, and a friendship, right? So this kind of knowledge that Paul is referring to here on knowing God, it is far more than intellectually knowing about Jesus. It deals with personally knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus Christ in a personal way. It deals with an experiential knowledge of God. Paul wanted to experience God in his life. He wanted to experience God personally. It's about hearing the voice of God. It's about walking in his spirit. It's about spending time with him. That's what Paul is saying there. It deals with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, Paul wasn't content with being an acquaintance with God. He wanted to be best friends with God. He wanted to be best friends with Jesus Christ. And the cool thing about that is, through the resurrection, this is the kind of relationship that we can have. We can be best friends with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We can spend time with him. We can talk with him. He is my best friend today, and I can rejoice about that. And that's exactly what the Bible says. John chapter 15 and verse 15, the Bible says, Henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Think about how awesome that is. You and I, we get to be best friends with the creator of the world. The God of the universe. The, the God that literally hung on a cross and died for you. We get to walk with him and spend time with him and talk with him. I can talk with him about anything. He loves me, he listens to me, he leads me in paths of righteousness, and I can talk to him about anything in my day. I can have a personal relationship with him. My best friend today is Jesus Christ, and we can all experience that because we can know God personally. F.B. Meyer said this on a personal relationship with Christ. He said, we may know him personally, intimately, face to face. Christ does not live back in the centuries nor amid the clouds of heaven. He is near us, with us, compassing our path and our lying down and acquainted with all our ways. That's the type of relationship that we can have with Jesus Christ. This isn't um, a religion. This is a personal relationship with Almighty God. This is something that is real today, folks. And I want you guys to understand that. Jesus is real. This relationship that I'm talking about is real. I don't just come up here and preach to, to get a paycheck or to try to grow this church. I come up here to preach because I've got something real in my life, and I want you guys to experience that as well. We can be best friends with Jesus Christ. We can know God personally. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. But not only that, we also can know God powerfully. Look what he goes on to say. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. 
That Greek word for power used there, if you look it up, it's the word dunamis. And it's where we get our English word dynamite from. So this verse says that I may know him and the dunamis of his resurrection. The dynamite, the explosion of his resurrection. That's what it's saying there, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying there, not only do I want to know God personally, but I also want to know God powerfully in my life. He wasn't content with merely knowing about this power. He wanted to personally experience this dynamite, explosive, awesome power in his life. He wanted to know and experience the fullness of God's power. That's what his desire was, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And again, something that we can rejoice about, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can experience this power as well. We can experience the dynamite power of the resurrection. Did you know that the Bible says that the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that works in you and me today? We have that power in our life. Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 19 through 20, the Bible says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. He's saying we have his power, the power of the resurrection in our life. We have that dynamite, explosive power in our life because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can know God on a powerful level in our life today. Now you can say, Michael, I've heard you talk about that before. You've talked about the power of the resurrection. You've talked about that power in our life. But what does that actually mean? Right? I get that it's dynamite. I get that it's explosive. But what does that mean in my life personally? Well, one commentator said, if God can raise someone from the dead... There isn't anything he can't do. If God can raise a dead Jesus, he can raise a dead marriage. If God can raise a dead person, he can raise a dead career. If God can raise a dead man, then he can raise a dead dream. It means he can do anything in your life. It's the power to break free from your past. It's the power to forget the past and look forward to your future. It's the power to start over. It's the power to keep going when you feel like giving up. And it's the power to overcome anything that comes your way. That power is available to you today. We can know God powerfully in our life. And that's what Paul's desire was, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So we can know God personally because of the resurrection. We can know God powerfully because of the resurrection. And then number three, we can also know God presently because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look how he closes this verse. He says that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. The fellowship of his sufferings. You look up that word fellowship used there and it speaks of communion. It means to partake with Christ, to commune with Jesus Christ. And it deals with suffering for his sake. Dealing with suffering for Jesus Christ sake. You see, Paul wanted to know God in the middle of his present sufferings, right? He says that I may know him and the fellowship, the communion of his sufferings. At this time, Paul is going through some difficult situations, and he has gone through many difficult situations up until this point. Thorn in the flesh, he was stoned to death, he was bitten by a snake, he was beaten many different times, 
right? He went through difficult situation and difficult situation and difficult situation. And now he's thrown into pr prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, for preaching salvation by grace through faith, for preaching the fact that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He's literally doing what I'm doing today, talking about the relationship with Jesus Christ. And he was thrown into prison for doing that. Trials were, were all over the place for the Apostle Paul. But in spite of that, he said, I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know God in the middle of those sufferings today. Paul had such a deep abiding relationship with Jesus Christ that even as he penned these words from prison, he came to realize that the sufferings of life gave him a venue of fellowship with Christ. The deepest moment of fellowship with Jesus Christ can be the times of our most intense sufferings, just like the Apostle Paul. Because suffering drives us to seek the presence of God, right? Paul didn't give up in times of suffering because he recognized that it was through suffering that God's presence became most real in his life. And through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can experience what Paul experienced, and that is the presence of God in the middle of our sufferings. The presence of God in our present sufferings in our life. That's what we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But again, why is that important? Why is that important, Michael, to, to have the presence of God in, in those times of suffering? How does God's presence in suffering make a difference in my life? I'm still going through these sufferings. How does it make a difference? Well, God designed us to be close to him. He created us to have a relationship with him. In the broken world of today, he takes his brokenness and turns it around to work it out for our benefit. He takes our brokenness and turns it around and works it all together for good. He uses the suffering in our lives to draw us to him. That's the beauty of the presence of God in our life. And in this way, he accomplishes the purpose for our life. Because God has a purpose for every single one of us. God has a calling for us. God wants us to be transformed and changed into his image. And the ultimate purpose, to summarize it all together, is for you to be best friends with Jesus Christ. For you to have an intimate, personal relationship with him. And, and sometimes suffering gets us to look to him. When you're in a hospital bed, all you can do is look up. Right? Sometimes in the middle of trials, that's what gets us to look to God. That's what gets us to cultivate the abiding relationship with Jesus Christ that he longs for us to have. In the middle of pain and suffering, we can go to God in prayer. And when we go to God in prayer, we find a merciful Savior and a faithful friend who feels our pain. He is a sympathetic companion who faced all the trials that we face. And we can come boldly to God's throne and find grace to help in our time of need because he understands what we're going through. When he hung there on the cross, he bore your sin, he bore your shame, he bore your suffering at Calvary. He knows what you're about to go through. He knows what you're going through today. We have a high priest that listens to us, that intercedes for us. We can experience the presence of God in the midst of our sufferings. And that is something that we can truly rejoice about. We can find comfort in that fact because most people don't have that luxury. Sadly, most people do not have the luxury to experience the presence of God in the middle of their sufferings. They don't have the luxury to, to go and pray to God in the middle of those trials in life. Now, the thing is, everyone will go through suffering, right? We're all going to go through trials. We're all going to go through sufferings in life. 
but it's the presence of God that gives us the strength to handle those sufferings, right? We've got the presence of God in our life to help us every step of the way. I remember just not, not, not too long ago, I guess maybe a year or so ago, me and Hannah were going through some trials. It's a very difficult time, some sufferings, and um, it was a hard time for our life. Um, but we knew that God had a plan. We knew the presence of God in our life, and we knew that God was going to work it out for good. But I remember it was still a, a really difficult, difficult time. And I'll never forget what Hannah said. It just convicted me a lot because I was feeling sorry about myself. I was saying, Go, Lord, why me? I've been serving you. I've been faithful to church for years. Why is this happening to me, God? And you want to know what Hannah said? She, she was almost crying in tears, and she was burdened for the people who don't have the presence of God in their life. And she said, Michael, I know how difficult this is for me right now, and we know that God has a plan. We know that God can work all things together for good. We can feel the presence of God in our life. So how hard is it for the people that don't know God and the sufferings that they're going through? You talk about a conviction right there, right? We've got the presence of God in our life, and we can rejoice about that. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials, we can know that God is on our side, that God can work all things together for good, and that his grace is sufficient. Timothy Keller said this on suffering. He said, suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you and with you. It is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you and with you. Hey, we can be certain today that God's for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans chapter 8. Nothing can come our way without God allowing it to happen. He is a sovereign, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God. He has your best interest at heart, and he wants to lift you and bring you through that suffering in your life. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God is with us in our suffering. We can know God presently in our life. The presence of God in our life every step of the way. So that's because of the resurrection. Now is the apostle, the apostle Paul's desire. We can know God personally. We can know God powerfully. We can know God presently. And then number four, and I'm done, we can also know God passionately. Look at verse 11. He says, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto death, that by any means... I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Throughout the course of Paul's life, his desire always stayed the same. His desire was always to know God more and more and more in his life, to know the passion, to know the power, to know the person in Jesus Christ. From the moment of his conversion until his death, his desire never wavered. And Paul desired to attain unto the resurrection of the dead. In other words, he craved to experience God living through him. His passion for God never faltered. His desire for God never stopped. He lived with a desire to con continually know God throughout his life that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. He desired to know God. He was passionate about knowing God, and that was his number one desire throughout everything that came his way. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes when we first come to Jesus Christ, we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we maybe have that desire. Right? We, we start reading the Bible. This book becomes real to us. It's God talking to us. We pray to him. We talk with him. And really, we're best friends with Jesus, and life is great. But then life happens. The experience kind of dies down. That momentum goes away, and pretty soon God becomes an acquaintance. Not your best friend. Right? But Jesus hasn't left. Jesus is right there, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. We can tend to lose that passion in our life. I've seen so many churches do that. They've lost the passion of God. They've lost the love for God. They've lost the desire to know God, and that's when it becomes religion and not relationship. Paul desired to know God. His one great desire, the yearning of his heart's, his consuming passion and relentless quest was to know Jesus Christ by any means necessary. He ate, lived, and breathed for Jesus Christ in his life. And because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that can be our goal as well. Our passion and desire should be to know God. Our number one desire in life above all else is to know Jesus Christ, that I may know him. I want to know him more. Man, when I first started dating Hannah, I was obsessed with her. I really was. I was a very clingy boyfriend. Don't tell her that, but I was. I was clingy. I wanted to know everything about her. We would talk for hours and hours and hours. I wanted to know her likes. I wanted to know her dislikes. I wanted to know her mother's maiden name, her social security number, and everything <laughs> like that. No, I wanted to know everything about her, though. I wanted to get to know her. And it was an amazing experience. That should be our desire with Jesus Christ. A passion to know God. F.B. Meyer said this about 100 years ago, but it speaks well today. He said, we should never rest until we know God as we know our friend and are able to read without speech the movements of his soul. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Let's truly strive to know God passionately because it will be the greatest experience of your life. It truly will, man. It's the best thing in the world. I have, man, this has been my desire. This has been my passion for, for years and years and years now. I've never gotten over it. It's only grown bigger, right? It's only gotten better the more I think about Jesus, the more I spend time with Jesus, the more I realize how vast, how important, how big he is, how small I am, and how much he loves me. And we can desire God in our life. Now I'll close with this. I wasn't planning on covering this, but in my readings this morning, I, I felt like I should. We've been looking over the fact that we can know God. We can know God in those four ways. Personally, presently, powerfully, and passionately in our life. But I want to close with this glorious truth. And that is that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not only can we know and desire God, but God knows and desires us. If you ever read this book before, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, I highly recommend you check it out. It is a great book. It's kind of a long book, but very good. But I just want to read you a portion of what he had to say about God knowing us. He says this, What matters supremely, therefore, is not the fact that I know God, but the larger fact which underlies it, the fact that he knows me. I am graven on the palms of his hands, I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends 
on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eye is off of me or his attention distracted from me, and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. This is momentous knowledge. There is unspeakable comfort in knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me in love and watching over me for my good. There is tremendous relief in knowing that his love to me is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me. You want to know something? God knows the worst about you, (laughs) but he loves you more than anybody else. He knows the worst things about you, but he loves you more than anybody else on the face of this earth. And he wants a personal relationship with you. You could add this verse, Philippians 3.10, to God and say, God is saying that I may know them. That I may know them. I want to experience them. I want to develop a relationship with them. That's how much he loves you. He loves you so much that he literally said, I'd rather die than spend eternity without you. He wants a personal relationship with you. We can know God, and he desires to know us. Let's live for him. Let's desire him. Let's know him personally today because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.